You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It is, in case you didn't know, it's a couple of things today. First, it is uh, the first day of February. Also, there's some ball game going on that some of you may be aware of. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Even if you are watching the Super Bowl, I do appreciate it. And I promise I will make it worth your while. Uh, I tweeted earlier, I wanted to know when the Manny Cam was going to be on tonight. But apparently it's not part of the the big show tonight, you know? I'm here until 10 p.m. because Vinny is away somewhere lovely and warm. So I'll be here for an extra hour just covering for him. He'll be back next weekend. Uh, Also, a couple of things this week. Uh, Winterlicious has kicked off. I'm not sure if that's something that you take part in, but uh, it started on Friday and it goes until February 12th. Basically, it always ends right before Valentine's Day because on Valentine's Day, people should pay full price for their meals. But basically, Winterlicious, uh, there's a bunch of restaurants that take part in the city. They do three-course fixed-price menus. Usually, uh, it's a great value and it's quite a bit more affordable than their regular menus. So that means you can go out and try different restaurants that you may have been curious about, that you've never been, that you've heard about, and uh, and enjoy a lovely meal. I went to the Shore Club for the first time, so that's where I had a winterlicious lunch on Friday. And my friend got there before me, and this has never happened before. So I get there, and he said, um, because I hope you don't mind, but I got you a black napkin. And I'm like, that that that's fine. And he said, well, when he sat down, the server actually asked him, would you like a black or white napkin? I've never in my life heard of that. And he said, oh, I, I'll have a black napkin. And, um, and he looked at my empty seat and he said, well, I'm not sure what she's wearing, but I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine with the same. I thought that was great. And I think if it's going to be a new trend where restaurants help you like color coordinate <laughs> Uh, napkins with what you were like, I'll have the paisley. I'll have the polka dots. I want the stripes. I'm all for it. Anything that can make my dining experience just a little bit more interactive. Um, So I got a couple of things to touch upon. First, there's something that I haven't even talked about on social media. And I pretty much always put everything on social media first. But uh, I have a new giveaway on my website right now. So the website is paychen.com. If you click on blogs. I've got the giveaway up there. Uh, It's a Philips digital air fryer. What does that mean exactly? It's a $300 appliance that basically cooks your food with like rapid air technology means that you can use little or no oil. So it's a way to cook your food a little bit better, a little more healthy if you're trying to eat better, especially if you're eating like 10 pounds of wings tonight, you might want to consider the Philips air fryer in the future, and I am giving one away. So to enter, you go onto my website. You can click on uh, blogs. You'll see the info there, and you just leave a comment, which will not be published, with your information. And uh, the contest is running for two weeks, and I will randomly draw a winner. So good luck to you. Uh, Coming up on the show tonight, again, it is a two-hour show. Is going gluten-free right for you? I'll talk to a nutritionist about the right and wrong ways to live a gluten-free life and why, if you're not careful, you can actually gain weight by going gluten-free because a lot of people make uh, some pretty common mistakes. I'll also talk to the Toronto doctor who developed the glycemic index. His findings have helped people uh, be healthier and lose weight, but you might be surprised by some of uh, the foods you eat quite often that are actually very high 
on the GI scale. So we'll tell you about that. Also, I'll chat with uh, celebrity chef and Food Network star Anna Olson about how cupcakes can help animals. Two of my favorite things. Um, and speaking of food, dun, 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 I have a guest in studio with me. There we go. Thanks, Elliot, for turning on Daniel's mic. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the producer of a new Food Network show in studio. It's called Chef in Your Ear. Daniel Gelfant is here. And you are casting right now. So this is um, this is an opportunity for listeners out there who may not have fantastic kitchen skills to actually work with a top Canadian chef and prove everyone wrong. That's right. Okay. It's your, it's your it's your time. And if you fit that bill of somebody who might not be as good as you'd like to be, or the one that everybody moans about, if you're cooking dinner, or if you know somebody like that, we're asking you to let us know, and we are here to help you on the new show called Chef in Your Ear. Now, um, I guess... I know after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the kind of people that you're looking for. And it's really the the concept of the show isn't to make fun of people. It's not to mock them. It's really to kind of, I think, build their confidence a little bit, teach them something that they may not have known, because there's going to be these great professional chefs that are sort of guiding them through this process. Well, the thing is, Pay, that it is a reality competition show, but it's a competition between the two chefs. Each episode has two chefs and two novice or, let's say, clueless cooks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the thing is that the two chefs are, are competing to see who can do it better, who can guide, who can create the best possible restaurant-quality dish without without even stepping into the kitchen. Now Doing it all by remote control. Okay, see, that's the twist. That's the twist. So it's not even that a chef is standing next to you or the chef is, you know, showing you how to hold the knife. The chefs who are competing against each other are in a completely different room, right? They're in sealed off, soundproof booths outside mm -hmm. of the kitchen. And they are, their, their pride and their ego and their reputations are on the line because they think they're the one who can get you to produce the better dish. And in fact, we're looking for people who are up for this adventure and up for having a lot of fun with these chefs and giving the chefs a hard time as well. You know, it's kind of like the concept of the show is, if you think about, there was a movie a long time ago, I may be dating myself, called <laughs> Airport 1975. Karen Black was a stewardess and the, the plane or flight attendant, the plane got hit by another plane and the pilots got wiped out. And she had to land that 747 by remote control. Well, imagine you're the novice in the kitchen and the chefs are the pilots guiding you by remote control from the air traffic control tower. Or it's a bit like Ratatouille. <laughs> the, you, you know that great oh, movie? Oh, the, the animation, right? The animation. Yes. And there was this brilliant rat inside the chef's hat pulling the strings and telling the cook who didn't know what he was doing how to create these great dishes. And the thing was, what were those dishes like that that cook created because of the rat's help? What were they like? I have no idea. I didn't see the movie. Oh, they were fantastic. <laughs> he ruled. He took over Paris. He took over. He was really? the talk of French cuisine. And that's what's going to happen to the cooks that we're reaching out to. The people who we're reaching out to who may not be so great in the kitchen now, they're going to be able to produce amazing food and prove everyone, including themselves, that they're wrong, that they can actually do it. So I guess if we talk about it a little bit uh, 
technically. So when you say that the chefs are guiding these uh, clueless cooks by remote control and they're in a separate room, it's basically an earpiece, right? That these clueless, these novice cooks are being guided um, through like a little, like a headphone or an earpiece, like an earbud. Right. Well, we actually shot a pilot, a demo that didn't go to air that proved how the concept would work. And what we did was we wired up uh, chef to cook in the in the kitchen through an earpiece, but also the chefs could watch what the cooks were doing with the remote control camera. Oh, that's amazing! So they could watch them on a monitor and talk them through the ear, and it was this great dialogue and lots of fun that happened. And in every case, the cooks produced amazing food. And so I've got a lot of people who've already written in saying they want to be on the show. We've probably had over three hundred applicants already. We're looking for fifty-two. Amazing. Um, and some of the stories are just great, and some of the people are just great. I mean, we have a young woman who's a beautician who's written and said, and she's sort of at the far end of the uh, of the spectrum. She doesn't cook at all. Uh, but we said, are you, sh you know, have you tried anything? She said, well, actually, lately, I've been trying a little something. I mean, I tried to make popcorn for my friends last night, but I burnt it. And that was like the only thing that she ever does in the kitchen. Right, right. Okay, so I know that after the break, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about some of the people who have applied, just to give our listeners an idea of the kind of uh, contestant that you want on this show. And also, uh, we'll talk a bit more about how people can apply as well. So listeners who are interested, and this is the thing, if... If you know someone who isn't great in the kitchen and who might benefit from, you know, having a, a little chef in their ear, you can you can also nominate them. So Daniel will be back to tell us more about that. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm here uh, for two hours tonight covering for Vinny White as he is still away somewhere. Uh, just before the break, I was talking about a new Food Network show that is going to be shooting in just a couple of weeks. And I have the producer of the show. The show is called Chef in Your Ear. Daniel Gelfand is here. We're here talking about the... Uh, this is your the last chance for people to apply and to be on the show. And I think what's great about this is um, even – I'm not bad in the kitchen. I will admit, like, I love being in the kitchen. I love cooking. I love food. But when I watch shows on Food Network, I can sometimes feel quite insecure about my skills. And I always think, oh, to be on one of those shows, you have to be really amazing and you have to have all this, like, chef paperwork. But this is a show. This is the opposite. This is the, this is the this show is that's going to help the people chefs, out. The chefs are going to be great. <laughs> That's not an issue. The chefs are going to be guiding cooks to be great who don't know a thing. And we're actually looking for people who know as little as possible. <laughs> wow, that's not, a great standard. <laughs> no, as little as possible. Or somebody you know who knows as little as possible. We're right. looking... Actually, we're looking for people that are self-avowed kitchen disasters. Wow! And here's why. Okay. The chefs have big egos and think that they're really think that they're the best. <laughs> they need to be cut down a notch. They don't you need think? to be cut. They need to be yes. challenged. Yes, you know, they the do. Chefs thinks that they think that they can do everything and they're in complete control. Well, we're taking the control away from the chefs who are competing, and we're making them guide people who can't cook. Now, the people who can't cook are going to go through a wonderful transformative experience because for the first time in their lives, they are actually going to succeed at making something fabulous. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that when we shot the demo in the pilot, we had two people in the kitchen who had never made anything great in the kitchen before. 
perfect, perfect eggs benedict. Really? Now, who doesn't like good eggs benedict? Well, you know, there's a. It's simple, but yet you, we need to get the the yolk just right. Oh no, wait! It's not just the poaching of the egg. Oh, not just but that. A hollandaise. A good so hollandaise. You know, good hollandaise doesn't come out of the package. Yeah. The good hollandaise is the separated eggs. It's one the that doesn't beating. split, it right? Doesn't yeah. Split. It's got the right amount of acid in it. You know, it's scary. It's scary for me, and I've <laughs> cooked for 20 years. You know, it's scary for me to do a hollandaise every time I do it. But I'm going to tell you on the pilot that we did, two versions that were just beautiful. We did a gorgeous steak and potatoes. I'm talking about this gorgeous rib, um, rib steak. Yeah. Bone-in rib steak. I'd be afraid to do that. Beautifully trimmed. You know, like the, the, the cut of beef was 60-day aged, okay? Wow. And the thing was like better than a Lincoln or a Mercedes. <laughs> you don't want to mess that up either. You don't. And that's the thing that we've got steaks in it, steaks with A K E S for yeah. the chefs, <laughs> because they need to create great things with these fabulous ingredients. And they've got these people who can't cook that they're going to teach how to do it. And the challenge is how well can they teach these people? How well can they guide people who don't have the confidence in the kitchen? Yeah. So that's a whole different kind of competition than we're seeing on the air. And that's Mm -hmm. why Food Network and me and everybody who's producing the show, Henry Letts Productions here in Toronto that I'm working with, this is what we're so excited about. This is a positive competition. It's good-spirited. You're not going to get $10,000 out of this. You're not going to (laughs) get... New plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get some. The chefs are going to are gonna prove to each other who's best, and chefs are all about one-upping each other. Well, it, they're, ext- I mean, and they then, are extremely competitive. And people who can't cook are going to have the incredible experience of do, doing something really great. And maybe, as the people who did the pilot said, they're going to try this at home. They're gonna, it's going to start a whole new chapter in their lives. It's a boost of confidence, I think, right? And starting right? to enjoy what we love so much. I know you love food. I, I know it's a huge part of your story, Pay. It's a huge part of my story. And this is a show where we're trying to spread spread what we enjoy so much and mm-hmm. allow other people into the world that we love. And it's to give people a little bit of confidence, I think, too, because um, you can feel very intimidated when the people around you are, you know, they, they cook and they always seem to make fabulous meals and it always looks effortless and you're the one that never wants to host people. Right. You're the one that never wants right. to invite people over unless right. there's takeout, but even then you're nervous because you should have right. made it yourself. Right. Um, so those let's... Are, those are the people who are applying to our show and that's what's really great. Yeah, so tell me a bit about some of the, the applicants that you've had because what I want to remind <laughs> listeners out there is that you can also nominate someone you know. So perhaps there's someone in your household who doesn't do their share perhaps of the meals. Exactly. Um, you can nominate them and you don't have to try and make them sound good the thing is they're looking for people who really don't know what they're doing well we've got a number of those kind of people who've been nominated by let's say in a marriage um, woman's going back to work and is can't do all the cooking and she's saying this guy's got to get off his lazy derriere and i want him to be able to get into the kitchen so we have a number of applicants like that we've got people who are you know middle-aged who are terrified because they once had a terrible terrible experience in the kitchen you know up in smoke went the uh, went the roast from the oven so now like I'm looking at one wonderfully successful advertising account executive but she's scared of the oven and since this happened to her she won't put anything in her oven she won't really? even turn it on oh so you know <laughs> they, 
there's there's kind of like this 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 obsessiveness of being afraid of food, and it's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who are afraid of touching certain things. Like they're afraid of touching chicken. They'd love to eat it. They'd love to yeah. make it, but they're afraid of actually doing it. They wouldn't well, know what to slippery. do. it's slippery. That's why. <laughs> it's slimy. <laughs> or then you got somebody, one of my favorite characters is a young man who's 26 years old, and he's he's finally left home. He goes, I'm Italian, and I can't cook. But oh, that doesn't make shame. sense. But actually, it makes sense because my mother did all the cooking for me and I don't right. know how to do anything. So you got a lot of people like that that are some people come from various communities and their mothers took over or their families mm-hmm. took over. We've got women who are 25, 26, a young Persian woman, a young Bosnian woman. Both of them said, it's a shame in my community for a woman not to be able to cook. I need help. I'm never going to get married if I oh, can't wow. do this. And I get shamed by my parents all the time. You really see sort of the, the cultural pressures it's very, right, in some of these stories. And that's what's really great. It's very Canadian. We've got multicultural community people applying with all sorts of different stories that are representative of their relationships with food. And we want to put that all together and have a lot of fun and have people laugh. So now well. the show that you're uh, shooting, it's called Chef in Your Ear. It's going to be on the Food Network, um, and you are shooting it in the next few weeks, we're right? Gonna, no, Just we're, so people know, like in March? Okay, what's happening? We're, we're going to be starting to shoot at the end of March. Okay. But our casting call closes at the end of this week, one oh, week today. Okay, so last chance to nominate yourself last or ca- someone you know. Thecastinggroup.com. Okay. Look for Chef in Your Ear, or you can go to the Food Network's website, foodtv.ca. Go to their casting dropdown, and you will see the call for casting for Chef in Your Ear. Now, for people who are thinking about applying or thinking about nominating someone, um, what makes an application stand out to you? Because you're the producer. You're the one who sifts through all of these. What I'm really looking for, I think what we're really looking for are people who genuinely want to learn. Genuinely, they have a story about things that they've that they've done poorly in the kitchen, but they actually really want, for some reason, to learn how to cook and to be better. Not from an earnest point of view, but from a funny point of view. I've got a couple of examples here. I mean, I was talking about the woman who was afraid of the oven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect that's a perfect case. But I mm-hmm. mean, you know, that she has some great stories. Like I'm going to give you give you an example. Uh, she says, "Here's how bad my cooking is. My idea of something made home homemade is I open different kinds of canned soup and put them together in the same pot, and I call that homemade." That kind of doesn't sound right. Well, whether it's right or wrong, people do that. I don't care. I've got a guy who actually works in a gourmet food company. He's he's a delivery really? guy and yeah. he's a co-owner of this company. So he she knows good food. He knows good food, but he's terrified of going in the kitchen because he's been around good people all his life. Mm-hmm. And he gets thrown out of his own kitchen. The kitchen that he owns, the company kitchen that he owns, because he's so bad at it. You know, all sorts of people. I have lots of people who, you know, would love to be able to have the family over for a Thanksgiving dinner, and they just don't have the confidence to do it. You know, people who do silly things like put Kit Kat bars into the microwave oven and start a fire in the microwave oven. We've got stories of people doing that. Or we've got people who are 70, 65, 70 years old and have never had a dinner party in their life. Oh, and they wow. And they love one day to be able to do that. See, I was going to ask you about the age range of the applicants that you've seen so far, and I guess it really does vary. We want them all. We've got mm-hmm. a 75-year-old grandmother who's going to be on the show. Who doesn't cook? 
doesn't all grandma's cold. She's she says I'm a rotten grandmother and I don't have a lot of time to change it and I gotta do it. And so that's a great story. That's a, she's the grandma you go to because she always takes you out somewhere. That's right. <laughs> so a story like that, we've got you know a guy who's recently retired who uh, comes from a long line of men who don't cook and he mm-hmm. wants to break the cycle. We've got 22-year-olds who are living for the first time on their own, and they're going broke because they can't cook for themselves. Yeah. Now, so, I remember, you know, did you always know how to cook? Did you uh, Were you taught to cook when you were young? No. I wasn't. My mom did all the cooking, and then suddenly I found myself on my own without any skills. Uh, no, I knew nothing <laughs> about how to cook. I, I had been for, I'm from a family where food was a huge part of of our culture and we mm-hmm. ate and I love to eat food and I think the thing was I had to figure out how to do it. Yeah, that was the same with me and I think, you know, I, uh, my mom made, everything was homemade, everything was from scratch and I guess people thought that I would be a great cook like her but then I moved away to un- go to university. I was 18 years old. Cup of soup. I could boil yeah. water. Ramen. Yeah. I Lots could boil, yeah, cup of soup and like Mr. Noodle Yeah, and um. I and that explains the freshman fifteen, I think, for me as well. <laughs> I was in broadcasting like you when I started out, and I worked on an overnight shift, and I didn't know how to cook, and and the restaurants weren't open when I was available because I was right. working overnights. I had a toasted <laughs> cheese sandwich with a fried egg on it every night for probably the first four months of living alone. Wow! So, and the thing is, it's it's. I I once, if you can believe it, I once interviewed Julia Child back in the seventies, and really? she said, "Yeah," and she said, "Cooking is a process of assembly, mm-hmm. and when you get over the idea that it's all happening all at once and it's really just an assembly process, you can start doing it." Now I know that I know you well enough to know that you've told me that you really took an interest in food when you started watching the Food Network when yes. you too were working yeah. <laughs> weird hours on a shift in, a, yeah. in, a, in another city. And I think this is sort of the next step in what, or a, a new step for the Food mm-hmm. Network, which is they used to do what we used to call dump and stirs, where mm-hmm. we'd have have cooks stand in front of the camera and they dump the food in, they'd stir in it and they'd tell mm-hmm. you how to do it. Yeah, This is a new interactive way of teaching people and borrowing from the reality competition at the same time. So we're going to actually see people being inspired and changing in front of our faces on this show. I think it's great. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be fun, interactive. And, and the hottest chefs in the city are going to be on the show. See, that's a good tease right there. Hottest in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be sizzling and hot. So if you want to apply, thecastinggroup.com is where you can go to do that. Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for coming in. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing Chef in Your Ear when it debuts on the Food Network. When we come back, a little bit more food talk. We're going to tell you about how you can snag some unique and delicious poutine during La Poutine Week the next couple of days. You're listening to The Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Still to come on the show, I'll be talking to a nutritionist about... uh, Going gluten-free and how to do it properly because a lot of people make plenty of mistakes when they decide to live a gluten-free lifestyle. Also, I'll talk to the doctor who invented uh, the glycemic index, which is something you may have heard about. And uh, it can really help you if you are trying to change your lifestyle, lose weight, be healthier, fight off some illness. But now... 
we talk about poutine. Uh, and also to let you know, I will be giving away a gift card to one of the restaurants participating in La Poutine Week. The restaurant is downtown Toronto, however, so just keep that in mind if you're going to enter. Uh, so La Poutine Week is back in Toronto. It is on now until February 7th. Restaurants all over the city are competing for the best poutine And uh, they're serving up for this week some special creations. So Michelle Jobin is on the line. She's the ambassador for La Poutine Week. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Pei. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, well, I'm wondering how much mm. poutine you get to try when you, Ooh. as the ambassador for La Poutine Week. Well, you know, you have to pace yourself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, living healthy is also really important to me as well, too. So... I try to get as much of a sampling uh, as I can, uh, but uh, I don't know if I can definitely eat an entire serving at every venue. Let me put it that way. I would love to in a perfect world. Well, that's smart. At least you're, you're, you're tasting everything, so that's I'm good. I'm tasting everything, yeah. So is this, this is the um, third year for La yeah. Poutine Week. Yes, it started in Montreal in 2013, uh, and then we brought it to uh, Toronto as well last year. So basically what happened, two crazy guys, Naeem and Thierry from Montreal, they had this idea to celebrate poutine. Obviously in Montreal, it, it makes sense, but it, it's really kind of almost like a national dish for us as well. So uh, the, the movement has spread, the event has grown, and this is the second year that we're in Toronto. And last year when they were looking for someone in Toronto, they apparently heard that I liked food. Uh, <laughs> they contacted me and asked if I wanted to represent them here. So, so that's great. Yeah, so, so for three years, so mm-hmm. La Poutine Week, uh, this is the third installment, third year third overall, yeah. and it just kind of grows and has expanded to include several cities. Yes, we're actually international now. Believe oh, it or wow. not, we have, an, we have a venue in Australia, a Montreal-themed restaurant in Australia, There's also a restaurant in New York City. And then on top of that, we're also in Montreal, uh, Ottawa, Gatineau, Sherbrooke, and Quebec City. So how does it work? So I've already, I know that a, a lot of restaurants take part. It's a friendly mm-hmm. competition. Yeah. Um, and it's about poutine. Absolutely. So, I mean, the way the we approach the, the restaurants that are involved is like, we want you to create a, a great poutine. Obviously, there are there's a structure that you sort of have to follow, fries some sort of gravy and cheese curds really mm-hmm. sort of need to be there. That's the foundation. But then we encourage them to riff on the theme and use their personality. And I mean, we have so many incredible different types of food and so many incredible chefs and restaurants in Toronto. Each one of them is imparting, you know, their personality, their style of cooking, their heritage, their favorite ingredients into the dish. So what that means is there's a lot on offer for people that love poutine and love food during the week. What you do as a poutine eater is you can go out to the venues that are all listed on our website, Mm -hmm. lapoutineweek.com, find the restaurants that are participating, go to one of the restaurants. If you order the poutine that is competing, they give you a voting code. You just go online. Our site's really mobile friendly as well, too. And you can cast your vote. You can vote for more than one venue. You just can't vote more than once. At a restaurant. Oh, okay. So, uh, in terms of, I guess, giving people an idea of these mm-hmm. unique creations, because you think oh, fries, yeah. you, gravy, uh, cheese curds, maybe, you know, I, I know people throw like pulled pork on there, but oh, these restaurants yeah. have really stepped it up. 
They really have. I mean, we have so much creativity going on. And that's, that's the thing I love about this event the most because it's not, just about, it's not just about food. It's not just about poutine. It's about celebrating all these local restaurants, getting out there and trying all of them, and then seeing the amazing things they come up with. So we have lobster poutine. We have also buco on a poutine. We have lamb shank. Um, we've got smoked chicken, Peking duck. Wow. Um, we have a couple breakfast poutines that involve kind of like an eggs benedict sort of theme as well. Uh, so like the the sky is sort of the limit and that's how we like to approach the restaurants as well too we want to say just you know dream big mm-hmm. <laughs> and create something really special there's actually there's three different lobster poutines happening this year so i feel like there's going to be like a special award at the end because there is a a winner and then there are some other other awards that are um awarded i guess to venues but i think there's going to be a lobster poutine showdown because there's three different venues that are doing poutine involving lobster you know the more lobster uh on offer the better so yeah uh so people can go so uh these sort of special poutines that are being offered are available Mm -hmm. just for la poutine week so this is why people Uh, should go out and and try them yeah, there are some restaurants that are doing ones that is already a standout favorite, mm-hmm. and that's what they want to compete with. And some restaurants have said, you know what, we want to do something that is absolutely different. That we have one restaurant, um, for example, the Pie Commission, who doesn't even, they contacted us, but we don't even make poutine, but we want to do something for this. So we really, uh, we, we applaud that sort of creativity and that, dedica- that dedication to the dish as well. Too. So is there a prize for people to take part is there uh, in terms of the well that we are there certainly are giveaways in terms of you know on social media and our website for those um poutine fans that right. would like to you know we, we have some giveaways and things like that but in terms no it's it's you know for the winning restaurant it's just you know bragging rights which is pretty Absolutely. good which is pretty good. And then a lot of people showing up to try their amazing. Because that's what we want to do. We want to get people out trying these lo- local restaurants. So maybe mm-hmm. go somewhere that you haven't been before and visit your favorite as well, too. Well, and I think this is a good time to do it because it's winter. It's gross out. I don't want to mm-hmm. go outside. Um, right. and, then, and and sometimes this, you know, this is the time of year that can be a bit of a struggle for small businesses and small restaurants. Absolutely. So yeah. it's a nice way to sort of get people out. It's kind of a comfort food. It's not something you should eat every day, but it is something yeah. that kind of does warm you up uh, <laughs> on a cold day like today. And, you know, when you're in February, uh, it's nice to be able to walk in somewhere and have um, like fries and gravy and cheese and lobster and whatever else there <laughs> is. I love that. So tell me um, the poutine dishes that won last year just so we have an idea uh it was tomo burger addiction that was the overall winner last year and they did one that involved uh like a truffled uh poutine i can't remember all the ingredients Mm -hmm. but it definitely involved truffles which is you know very luxurious um it was a very luxurious poutine and uh they're participating again this year there was um rock lobster their lobster poutine they won kind of like an overall favorite award as well that was the la poutine week favorite award holy chuck burger last year won the most outrageous poutine i do remember this one very distinctly it involved uh, veal gravy, veal cheeks, brie. Oh, wow. And if that's not rich enough for you, there's a whole canoe cut piece of bone marrow. On, oh, my God. On that is like, I think my heart just hurt a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> it was a little yeah. pain. <laughs> 
So, I mean, you know, it's a good idea is to get some friends, round up some friends and, and try, you know, maybe if you want to try all these places, maybe, you know, get some friends involved. And so you can all try a little bit here and there. That's a good strategy as well. We have had some um, Poutine Week, La Poutine Week fitness related events as well from time to time. Uh, so, you know, get out there and exercise as well too. do your boot camp. <laughs> and, and, I guess and so. Then, yeah. And we have some great events. I mean, we've got some good partnerships this year as well. Mm-hmm. We're doing some meetups with GastroPost. We have tab payments. We have some of their restaurants involved. And then next Wednesday night, there is a free, a complimentary event at Snell Hall. At what? Um, Where is that? It's Snell Hall. It's on Church Street. Okay. Um, and you can get all this on our Facebook page mm-hmm. or on our website. But there is this great complimentary event where I don't know if you remember the IBM computer Watson that competed on Jeopardy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, Watson has created some poutines based on kind of information about Toronto oh. and about the ethnicities in Toronto okay. and about food in Toronto. So you can go to that event on Wednesday night. Again, go to lapoutineweek.com for more information about that event. Uh, and you can try some complimentary poutine. That oh, that's nice dreamed up for you so there's a lot of options it's kind of amazing which is i'm like i don't don't know how much i love the idea of the computer dreaming it up but at least it'll be something different it'll be an experience you can talk about at the very least um and michelle i know that you've offered us a um gift certificate to give away and that that is to toma so is it toma burgers okay yeah and it's a 60 dollar gift certificate right yes okay Fantastic. Well, uh, you know what? I will give away details about that. Um, That's to buy a nice serving of poutine. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a pretty casual (laughs) place. So $60 should be able to feed uh, you and a friend or two at least. Okay, well, thank you so much, Michelle. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Pei. So again, that is lapoutineweek.com. If you want to take part, you know what? Go out and support uh, one of our small restaurants and small businesses during this cold week of February. Um, So here is the deal. As I mentioned, we're giving away that $60 gift card to Toma. It is located downtown Toronto. It's at Queen and Bathurst. So if you don't think you're ever going to go to Queen and Bathurst to use this gift card, then maybe, you know, let someone else call in to win it. Um, So here's the question. The third correct caller to tell Elliot at 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone to tell him how many years La Poutine Week has been around. They're celebrating what year this time around? Um... And the third correct caller will win. So good luck. After the break, celebrity chef Anna Olson with a sweet way to help animals in need. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm here until uh, 10 p.m. covering for Vinny, who is back next weekend. So hope you'll uh, stay tuned and listen along. Can a cupcake help animals in need? Ah, it sure can. The third annual National Cupcake Day is uh, coming up February 23rd. And uh, there is no better cupcake crusader than celebrity chef and Food Network host Anna Olson, who's on the line right now. Hi, Anna. Hi, Pei. Great to talk to you. Yeah, it's nice to connect. It's been a little while. It has been. But I have to say, Pei, I've been following you on Twitter. You are Hilarious. (laughs) Thank you. You're very sweet. Well, you know what? I'm just trying to keep up with your husband, Michael Olson, who's also quite cheeky. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just I let, <laughs> I let him have the sense of humor, and I'll be the sweet one, right, with the cupcakes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sweet with the cakes and with the icing. So uh, I I absolutely love the idea of National Cupcake Day because I love animals. Um, I love cupcakes. So how do the two work together? Well, that's a good question, and the reason we're talking about it now um, in early February, mm-hmm. as opposed to on National Cupcake Day, which is February twenty third is because now is the time to get engaged. And if you go to nationalcupcake.ca, you have two opportunities to be involved. One, you can be a host and Mm -hmm. create your own online bakery. And then the idea is you collect sponsors over the coming weeks, and then on the 23rd, you host a cupcake party. Uh, That could be at school, at your office, just around your neighborhood, or even a virtual one. Or the other way you can participate is to go to the same website and then donate. Um, And what's great is all the proceeds go to, if you're hosting um, your online bakery yourself, you can pick to which SPCA or Humane Society uh, in your area that you'd like to support, and all of the proceeds go there. Um, And then the same way donating, you can pick the online bakery. So if you know of someone who wants to host an online bakery or Mm -hmm. if you yourself want to bake a big batch of cupcakes, uh, that's the way to do it. So it's kind of, it's win-win, really. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Oh, um, and even if you host a virtual online bakery, well, those cupcakes are calorie-free. So you get to oh, that's true. feel good about giving, but yet not ingest any calories. Like fewer um, laps to run, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned, actually, that the money helps um, SPCAs and humane yes. societies across Canada. Yes. And they do amazing work so they've got a lot of animals that they help out that they rescue and then they try to find homes for them and they really rely on these donations yes and and that is the purpose of this campaign it is a fundraising drive but it's also about drawing attention to the good that spcas and humane societies do for our furry friends in crisis and it really is a necessary cause and one i'm I'm really behind uh, to the point where i've developed two special recipes one for people for cupcake day if you need yeah. help with your cupcake ideas it's oh, a lemon good. coconut cupcake oh that sounds um, nice and refreshing lots of fun there's mm-hmm. even a video so you can see how to decorate them like puppies but we're not going to leave our furry friends out of it i also developed a recipe for double apple cupcakes, and these are pet friendly treats so what would be in the in the like dog version <laughs> Well, you know what? I've eaten them myself. Yeah, well, it well, sounds like you say apple. I'm like, I like apple. I'll eat that. And and I went through a strict scientific research testing <laughs> with puppies in the neighborhoods. And it was actually Chewy the Labradoodle, who is the superstar, who who was the final vote in deciding that the double apple was mm-hmm. the treat of choice. And so it's, it's a healthy, it's almost like a muffin. Yeah. Uh, it has no added sugar, minimal fat, but it's a healthy fat that helps. The, your coat stay nice and shiny and not scratchy in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a great healthy treat, whole grain. Um, it, there's a little cinnamon in it, but mm-hmm. to be honest, that's more for the human impact. So it smells good when it's eating. But I've eaten, I've enjoyed them myself with a cup of tea or coffee in the afternoon. Well, so the cupcakes are good for your puppy or for, or for you. So either one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, the perfect. cupcake though, that's definitely for people. Yeah, the other one, <laughs> yes. Okay, so nationalcupcakeday.ca is the website. And uh, th- this basically gives people three weeks to kind of get their campaign together. 
Yes, and send out emails. It's all self-explanatory. When you go to the website, setting up your online bakery is so easy. You personalize it. You tailor it to what you want, um, and you set your own goals, but you feel a part of the community, and that's really what it's about. We're all coming together for the single cause. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Anna. Great to chat with you. I'll keep okay. following you. Okay. Say hi to Michael. <laughs> uh, you bet I will. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Anna Olson from uh, the Food Network, also Celebrity Chef, who is the Cupcake Crusader for National Cupcake Day. And again, the website, nationalcupcakeday.ca. You can also find the uh, cupcake recipes that Anna was mentioning. You can find that there. You can also find out more information about setting up your own fundraising campaign. And again, this is to raise money for SPCAs and humane societies across Canada. So it's a great way to kind of get some friends together and uh, help out the furry friends as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the Paychen show. Paychen.com is my website. Just a quick reminder, I do have another giveaway that I just put up today. So this time you can enter online on my website. Uh, just go to blogs and you'll see that the giveaway is there. It's for, just wait a second, it's for a Philips Digital Air Fryer. You're thinking, what the heck is that? It's a countertop appliance. It's one of those air fryers where you don't need to um, use a lot of oil to cook your food, and it kind of crisps it up. It's It sells for $300. I've got one to give away uh, on my website, so you can go there to find out more information. And uh, still to come, because I'm here for another hour, I'll be talking to a holistic nutritionist about going gluten-free and the pros and cons and why some people are doing it wrong. So we're taking a quick break here. Back with more right after this. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. I am here for another hour. You can't get rid of me. Not quite yet. Uh, Vinny's still away this week, so I will be here uh, until 10. He will be back next week, however. I would love you to actually text in. Text me at 71010. I want to talk about appropriate public behavior. Why do I want to talk about this? Because this is what happened to me the other day. Uh, in my condo building, there is a small gym. There's also a little pool and a little hot tub. So I was sitting in the hot tub. Um, and then this young-ish couple come and they join me. It's, it's a small hot tub, but there's room for three of us. And young-ish meaning they're maybe in their late 20s. And they, they sit down, and then I, I hear this crinkling sound. So I want you to t let me know at 71010, just let me know what like your pet peeves, whether it's on the subway or in a restaurant or at the doctor's office, like things that you think people should not do. Um, basically inappropriate behavior in public. So I hear this crinkling sound and I look, I'm, I'm reading a magazine and I kind of look over it and it is a little paper bag and the girl is eating a pastry in the public hot tub with me in it, dropping crumbs like all into the water. And I, like she catches me looking at her but I felt a little bit embarrassed that she saw me looking at her. So I kind of looked back at my magazine and I thought, what foolish idiots think that it is acceptable? First of all, there's a sign that says no food, no drink. OK, so and maybe if you walked in there, like there's some chairs on the side where you put your towel down, maybe you you hadn't finished eating that that snack. So you might sit down at the side of the pool and eat before you get into the public 
facility. Um, and so then her boyfriend comes in and they start like breaking pieces off and feeding each other the stupid pastry in the hot tub with crumbs falling. They're old enough to know better. Like they're, they were in their late twenties. And I just thought, what, who, who didn't teach you right from wrong? Who, who taught you that this is, this public space is yours? Hey, I I was scared you were going to say it was a condom. When you're like crinkling, I'm like, oh no. In the pool. No. So then you know what I did? I peed and I got out. I'm kidding. I didn't, but I wanted to. Of course, you got to do that. (laughs) That was was going to be my revenge. Also, it would have ruined the hot tub for myself. But um, anyway, I'm curious to know if you have any like stories. Uh, I always think of like people who clip their nails on the subway. I just don't know why you think that's the best time to do it. It's not. It's actually a terrible time. So don't do that. Um, Anyway, still open to hearing your stories at 71010 because I'm back in a couple of minutes. Um, Right now it is nine o'clock and uh, right after the break, I'll be talking to a nutritionist about uh, the right and wrong ways to go gluten free. Stick around. Listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. No scrubs, man. No scrubs. Not tonight, Elliot. Thank None. you. None at all. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You are not um, having hearing problems. This is Pay Chen. I'm in for Vinny White, who is away. But he, Vinny will be back next week with a tan and with wonderful travel stories about where he's been for the past two weeks. But uh, I'm here for now. PayChen.com is uh, the website. You can also find podcasts up there of the show if you want to uh, take a listen to something. I'm not sure if you knew this. Uh, I kind of found out about this recently myself, that um, you can actually gain weight by going gluten-free if you don't eat correctly. So here to tell us the right and the wrong way to adopt a gluten-free diet is holistic nutritionist and uh, someone who's been living with celiac disease, uh, Lisa Conte. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Pei. So Lisa, let's explain because you're gluten-free because you've been celiac your entire life. That's right. So for listeners who, who don't really know what that means, what is celiac disease? So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease and an intolerance to gluten. And what happens is when a person with celiac disease consumes gluten, the body actually attacks itself. So that is the autoimmune response. The body will attack the villi, Mm -hmm. which is sort of looks like a little carpet. It's like a little carpet-like structure inside the small intestine. And what the villi does is it's responsible for absorbing our nutrients. So for celiacs like myself, when we consume gluten, um, our villi gets attacked and then we have all kinds of problems. So a lot of people associate gluten with bread because it it has gluten in it. So a lot of people, um, I think it's become quite... I guess, trendy in some ways to perhaps eliminate bread or carbs and gluten from your diet because there have been a lot of like health stories or even celebrity stories. You know, celebrities will say that uh, they gave up eating gluten and they feel better. They're less bloated, those sorts of things. Um, So let's break it down. Gluten doesn't mean just bread. 
That's right. Um, and actually, gluten itself is a protein found in other grains. In addition to wheat, mm-hmm. it's also found in barley, rye, um, triticale, which is a hybrid of wheat and rye. It's also found in spelt, kamut, oh. um, oats that are contaminated, and other mm-hmm. contaminated grains because a lot of grains like oats actually grow in farm fields side-by-side wheat, so they can become easily contaminated. Okay. So yeah. for someone who is celiac like yourself, who has to be very, very careful, yes. then you need to eliminate all of those grains because some may some may have more gluten than others, but there are other people who have perhaps um, an allergy or just a sensitivity to gluten and they can eat maybe a wider range. Um, so, so with non-celiac uh, gluten sensitivity, mm-hmm. you could sort of think of it um, like um, being on um, a, a severe to mild sort of, um, um, trying to think of the word, um, sort of like a range. Mm-hmm. So we have from extremely one end, a spectrum, that's right. the word I'm thinking of. So um, we have a spectrum of gluten intolerance or sensitivity. So for people that have celiac disease, it would be the very severe extreme end. And then for sensitivity, non-celiac disease gluten sensitivity, it can go from severe all the way to mild. So it really varies from person to person when it Mm -hmm. comes to sensitivity. So what, now some people who don't have an actual um, diagnosis of an allergy or of celiac, they themselves just would prefer to have a gluten-free diet. So same, I guess, in some ways that people choose to be vegetarian or they choose, they want to eliminate certain things. Um, So a lot of people that I even know uh, who don't, you know, if they ate something with gluten and accidentally, it wouldn't make them ill, but they try to uh, avoid eating products with gluten. So they choose to adopt a gluten-free diet. What should people consider before doing this? Because, you know, you having, um, you being a nutritionist and having that background and also being celiac disease, it's it's not something that you should just decide like, okay, I'm going to wipe out all of this stuff. <laughs> now what? Right. So uh, I guess if we're talking about people that have sensitivity, mm-hmm. uh, there really isn't any concrete um, test that can verify or you know quantify your sensitivity or prove it. So when it comes to sensitivity, it's really about how the person feels. So if they feel better without gluten, uh, and if they have gluten and they're getting all types of strange symptoms, um, then going gluten-free would be a good idea for them. It really is just based on how the person feels. All right. And what are some, uh, I guess, symptoms perhaps of gluten sensitivity? I mean, I know for some people it's bloating. I think that's a common one. Yes, absolutely. So anything to do with our gut, Mm -hmm. um, it's had a history of being very common. So um, chronic diarrhea, um, the other end of the spectrum, constipation, gas, bloating, any of those symptoms are very common. Um, Also fatigue. Um, weight loss, irritable bowel, nutrient deficiencies, those are also very common in celiac disease as well. Um, but to, today versus, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, the symptoms are actually changing. Oh, is that right? 
So um, a lot of people are having symptoms today that were very uncommon when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, So people are experiencing brain fog. Um, There's even neurological symptoms. Um, There's all kinds of symptoms that people can experience. And it really makes sense because going back to that villi or carpet in our small intestine, if um, that's being damaged and we're not absorbing nutrients properly, then really the nutrient deficiencies can affect any part of the body. Um, And I would think it can be a bit of a challenge to identify what it is that is making you feel a certain way. So, you know, if it's fatigue or if it's some stomach issues, you know, chances are in the day you've eaten a lot of different things. Um, It can be hard to maybe pinpoint, you know, was it the pasta or was it, you know, maybe just the greasy fries? Absolutely. It is so challenging when it comes to food intolerance and allergies to really figure it out. And that's why it takes so many people years and years until they really figure out what is going on with their body. And because the symptoms are so broad and there's Mm -hmm. so many, like they say celiac disease can be linked to up to 300 different symptoms. What? Really? Yes. And it takes the average celiac like seven years to figure it out that they have it. Over 80% of people who have celiac Mm -hmm. are walking around without a diagnosis and not even knowing that they have it. Wow. But they're probably suffering some sort of discomfort. Um, I mean, there are celiacs who don't have any symptoms at all, but uh, a good number of them do. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine. Um, So let's talk a bit about, you know, lately, lately as in, you know, recent years or in the past decade, um, books and um, TV shows and magazines with celebrities talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. how they they stopped eating bread and pasta and they feel so much better. So people are going gluten free, Mm -hmm. um, even with the paleo diet kind of being trendy as well. So people are kind of, I think, jumping on this bandwagon without being fully educated. So and then what has happened is that now companies are making a ton of money by just marking everything gluten free. Even on juice bottles, like <laughs> apple juice and grape juice bottles. <laughs> wow. I saw it on a water bottle. Someone had tweeted it. It's a gluten-free. I oh, thought, you've yes. got to be kidding me. It is a huge marketing tool that food manufacturers use. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, people who are turning to a gluten-free diet for weight loss definitely need uh, to be educated about the gluten-free diet and what is actually happening because like you said earlier on most people who go gluten-free end up gaining weight and why is that so i think the key here really is that gluten-free does not mean carb-free ah okay that's two different things Yes, and I think there is such a misconception Mm -hmm. that's going on. Like you said, from celebrities, it's become a very popular diet for people who don't necessarily need to follow it for health reasons. And I think that that's where the misconception is. So so if gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean carb free. So we're by so what's I know I have I have girlfriends who do this. They <laughs> they will go to a restaurant, they won't eat the bread, um, they won't eat pasta, they'll just see like protein and vegetables. Mm-hmm. But then we'll go to a store and they'll see gluten free cupcakes and they'll see gluten free <laughs> cookies. Yeah. And they'll they'll eat that. And I read the labels and it's usually full of crap. Absolutely. And 
you know what, a piece of cake mm-hmm. or a cookie, it's still a piece of cake or a cookie. What's the, the difference between your typical um, piece of bread, pastry, baked good made from wheat flour versus those that are marked gluten-free um, is they're just different grains, but they are still essentially carbohydrates. And what happens to carbohydrates in the body when they're broken down, the end result in the process is glucose, Mm -hmm. which, as we know, raises our blood sugar and gets stored as fat if we don't burn it off. So that's where the big misconception happens. So then um, if people are opting for now, because it's... Luckily now it's easier to find gluten-free products. I'm sure when yes. you were growing up it was quite a challenge. Oh but, yes, <laughs> you know. But now because it's become popular uh, as a diet choice for people who don't have to uh, go gluten-free, um, you can find all your favorite carbs in gluten-free form. So you can find gluten-free bread, gluten-free pasta, That's all right. of that. Um, and so people are eating that and I think um, feeling like they can eat an unlimited supply, perhaps. Absolutely. So. First of all, a lot of these gluten-free products that you see on the shelves Mm -hmm. are worse for your health. Why? Foods that are not (laughs) gluten-free. Oh, okay. That's such a that's such an important thing to um, to mention. And then people are eating more of them because Mm -hmm. they think they're better for you. (laughs) Right. So Um, why is it that they uh, many of them might be you know not as healthy? So a lot of food manufacturers use extra sugar, extra salt, fat, oils, um, gums, like Mm -hmm. xanthan gum and things like that, to improve the taste and the texture of these products. So if you compare um, nutritional facts, you'll often see a higher amount of sugar, Mm -hmm. again, going back to that fat storage and weight gain issue. Right. Okay. So it's a matter of, well, we still have to read the labels. I mean, I feel like whenever I talk to someone who works in the health industry, that's the key thing. But not everyone knows how to, to decipher it. So you might still see, you know, uh, rice flour as, a, as the first ingredient, and you think, that's not bad. Yes, that's bad. Oh. <laughs> oh I'm like, that, that's not rice. That sounds – my people grew up on rice. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem today with the rice flour in these products is a lot of them are uh, – a lot of these products are using white, refined rice flour, which uh-huh. – a, it's stripped of all of its nutrients, so there's pretty much no nutritional value. And B, I mean, it's they're using ingredients like these because they're cheaper, because a lot of gluten-free products can be expensive to produce and to make them taste good. Right. Um, but white rice flour really doesn't do our bodies any good. <laughs> so, um, Lisa, I'm going to take a quick break in a second, but I want you to stick around because when we come back, we basically told people what they shouldn't be eating if they're going gluten-free. Uh, but when we come back, I want to talk about the right way to do this and be healthy. Um, my guest right now is holistic nutritionist and uh, someone who's been living with celiac disease her entire life, Lisa Contier. She's going to come back right after this quick break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Elliot, what kind of music is that? This is uh, an instrumental hip-hop track by MF Doom. 
an instrumental hip hop track. I thought I was like, it sounds like something you hear at the spa, like the pan flute or something. I don't know when we got so chill. Well, it's so very mellow. eclectic. Is it, uh, yeah. Where's, the, where's the hip hop part? <laughs> we just haven't come to that part yet. It's coming up, right? Which is that? Yeah. What? Which which part? The hip hop part. The hip hop is there. Can you not feel it? Not, no, not I'm not it? feeling it. I'm not. But oh. it's very chill. Cool. Just wanted to know what that was. Thanks, Elliot. No uh, I'm Paige and I'm here uh, in for Minnie White. He's back next weekend, just to let you know. But uh, on the line, I have holistic nutritionist Lisa Contier, and she's also um, had celiac disease her entire life. So she's always um, been living a gluten-free lifestyle. And we've been talking about, uh, Lisa, the sort of the, the trend and popularity of going gluten-free for people who don't don't necessarily need to because they don't have an allergy or a sensitivity, but they just choose to, especially because uh, a lot of celebrities, I think really celebrities, once they say that they've lost weight doing X, Y, Z, then suddenly everyone wants to do X, Y, Z. Oh, yes. They have a very big impact on society. (laughs) And you know what? Before the break, we were talking about a lot of the mistakes that people make when they decide to... uh, to adopt a gluten-free diet and why a lot of people gain weight. And that was really because they sort of decide that they can just eat all the gluten-free products they want, but a lot of them have um, extra fat and sugar and not a lot of nutrients in them is what you were saying. That's right. So then let's talk about doing it the right way. So if someone is wants to go gluten-free because maybe they feel, they think, you know, maybe they'll feel better, um, they want to be healthy and do it the right way, there's a lot of things out there that are being sold to them that isn't great for them. So what's the right way to do it? So the best way to um, go gluten-free would be, um, you know what, you don't have to rely. I think that people were so used to relying on bread and pastries and we're so used to eating baked goods on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, I mean, just it's even just the taste of sweet if we can sort of cut back on our our sweet need or the need for sweet treats Mm -hmm. and um, instead go for things like fruit when we feel like something sweet, but even have fruit in moderation. But in terms of our day-to-day eating, we don't have to always have the sandwich, the bread, the bagel, the wrap. But think about what you're putting inside of it and focus on that, like clean protein sources, a wide array of vegetables, nuts, seeds, fruit in moderation. And um, if you are going to uh, opt for those baked goods, then try to choose ones that are lower glycemic. Um, So products that are made with coconut flour and almond flour actually better options um, for balancing our blood sugar levels rather than like what we were discussing before, you know, the rice flour, the, the bread and the cookies and cakes made out of that. Um, so there's so many healthy recipes out there. Um, it, it's great to uh, cook your own foods rather than relying on buying um, packaged, processed, chemical-laden foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and also there are more nutritious. If you're going, if you're going to go for gluten-free grains, um, there are some you know that are better than others, like quinoa and buckwheat. Um, but, um, yeah, I would say try to stick more with your protein and vegetables. Because I think a lot of uh, people are used to building a meal around um, 
bread. like a carb or or uh, something with gluten. So it's bread or it's pasta, right? Yeah. Like it's, you know, that kind of anchors a meal for a lot of people. So at lunch, for lunch, maybe it's a sandwich. Well, you need that bread. And then for dinner, it's some sort of grain, which could be pasta or maybe it's white rice or, yeah. you know, things like that. So it's a matter of choosing um something that's maybe a little bit better. So when we're looking at labels, because I think for a lot of people, you know, making food is great and maybe we can only do that once or twice a week, like make a big batch of something. But when we're out looking for things, what should we be looking for on the label? So you want to look for products that have coconut flour, almond flour, quinoa, buckwheat. Um, You want to try to avoid sugar. Okay. Okay. High fructose corn syrup is a big no-no. All right. Um, Tapioca, uh, rice flour, white rice flour in particular. Um, Is brown rice flour not good or? Well, it's sort of like the choose, I guess it's the lesser of the evil, but it's still not exceptionally healthy. Oh, I just, this is where I'm like, oh, it's brown rice. (laughs) Let me eat that lasagna. (laughs) Yeah, so there is this whole the whole grains phenomenon, which Mm -hmm. probably is a whole other topic. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I I, I don't highly recommend rice uh, as a rule of thumb on products Mm -hmm. uh, if you're looking at gluten-free products. Look for products, again, if you are buying in the stores, packaged products, um, things that have short ingredient lists with names you can actually recognize. Yeah, so if you see words that you don't know what they are, odds are it's probably not something that's good for you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely not something natural. Absolutely. If that's the case. Um, and I can um, I I bet even though gluten free has become more trendy, it's probably good for people like yourself who haven't had a huge selection of items to choose from in the past. That's true. I mean, growing up as a child, there was only one manufacturer in Toronto of gluten-free products. Wow. That's, yes. So at least you have more options now, but they're not necessarily all great. But um, thank you so much. And I know you've got a lot of information. Um, your website, glutenfreefind.com. Um, some great resources there for people who want to even just find out something simple like the definition of gluten and, and how to proceed. So it's a great uh, place for people to uh, get more information and, and uh And also just find out where they can get um, some products and things of that sort. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, Pei. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. That's holistic nutritionist Lisa Contier. So a lot to uh, think about there in terms of going gluten-free and what that actually means. And if you missed the earlier part of our conversation, you can always catch up on the podcast, which is at paychen.com. I usually have that up within 24 hours-ish ish is the key word. So you can find uh, the whole conversation with Lisa there sometime tomorrow. And again, I do have another contest that I put up on my website. So if you click on blogs, you will find the giveaway that I'm doing for a air fryer, which is kind of a trendy thing that um, is coming out now for people who like their foods crispy and baked. It actually uses little or no oil. So just some information there and your chance to win it if you would like. Uh, coming up after the break, I'm going to talk to the inventor of the glycemic index. And he's got some eating tips that won't spike your blood sugar and that kind of ties into the conversation we just had uh, with Lisa. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Back with more right after this. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. 
Hey, can you believe this? A company is charging people $32,000 for what? To help them come up with a baby name. $32,000. I know that you all want a very original and memorable name for your baby, but that is a little ridiculous. Uh, Ed Keenan's going to pop in in a couple of minutes, and uh, he's got some kids. I'm going to ask him about this and see see uh, what he thinks about that. Um, chances are you have heard of the glycemic index. Maybe you know that it has something to do with diet and weight gain and weight loss. But um, the man who developed the glycemic index is actually, and I did not know this, a Toronto-based doctor and professor. David Jenkins is on the line. Hello, Dr. Jenkins. Hello there. Hi. Now, I uh, congratulations. I realize you've just been recognized by McGill University as a world leader in nutrition research, and you were awarded a $50,000 Bloomberg Manulife Prize for your work in promoting active health. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. So, well, congratulations. You must have been quite excited. Well, I must say I'm very honoured and I must say everyone has been very kind about this. So, uh, you know, you're always grateful. (laughs) Absolutely. So now the fact that you developed, invented the glycemic index was um, quite interesting to me because I just thought it was you never think about who comes up with these things. So uh, for our listeners who may have heard of it but are totally sure what it is, can you give us a little short explanation? Very short explanation. It's how much a food raises the blood glucose for a given amount of carbohydrate. In other words, if you've got 50 grams an ounce and a half or two ounces of carbohydrate in the food, um, how much will that raise the blood glucose level? And... I guess, um, in general, we want to avoid raising our blood glucose level as much as possible. Is that right? I think probably, um, Pay, like you, you're probably very slim. It may not... Well, used to be slimmer. (laughs) Well, it may not be that important. But for old people like me, um, you know, when you start putting fat around your middle, then it does become important. And um, so for those of us who are compromised, yes, it's important. For those who are slim, fit, um, swim all day and dance all night, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, They can get away with anything. But for only a certain period of time, right? Well, this is true. It catches up with you, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, I guess with the glycemic index and and knowing that it's the scale in which your blood sugar level um, rises, how... Should this change the way we eat? Well, I, it's not the, 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 the single factor that you're going to consider when you're thinking what foods you're going to eat. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to eat a sensible diet. You're going to increase the amount of plant foods generally in your diet. You're going to cut out the trans and saturated fats as much as you can. Use vegetable proteins like tofu and these sorts of things whenever you can. If you do all those things um, and you're still a little bit overweight, um, probably with a tendency for diabetes or perhaps have diabetes in the family or have it yourself, Mm -hmm. then it may be useful to select those foods which are lower on the glycemic index scale. And And the sort of foods you'd be thinking of really are things like um, beans, peas, lentils, these sorts of foods. Uh, Things like hummus, uh, breads like pumpernickel breads, rice, uh, the the long grain or the parboiled rice, 
uh, rather better than the white fluffy rice that you can pick up with chopsticks. So, I mean, there, there are some changes you can make. And if you get your bananas, if you like bananas, uh, that's fine. But have them when they've got a little green at the end of them. Don't have those nice, very sweet yellow bananas with brown spots on them. Um, eat, eat temperate climate fruit. Eat apples, pears, oranges, uh, all the berries. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all low glycemic. Your blueberries, your raspberries, your blackberries, they're all low glycemic index. So a lot of the foods that you would, we would normally say are healthy foods are also low glycemic index. But some very healthy foods are not high, are not, not low glycemic index. They may be quite high. And that's still not a reason that in moderation you shouldn't have them. But maybe they, but I, I think for some people who are um, perhaps looking to lose some weight or uh, if they're watching what they're eating because maybe they, they do have a bit of weight and they're, or they're, um, there's diabetes in the family that I, I notice that when I go to the bookstore, for example, now in the health and the diet section, there are books that actually say to like eat the GI way. Well, um, that's, that's true. And I mean, Dr. Atkins used the glycemic index and so did the South Beach diet and so did the Montagnac diet and even Barrissier's zone diet um, wants to get in the zone with a lower glycemic index carbohydrate. So I think they're all looking in that direction. And the work certainly has been done in Boston uh, by David Ludwig and his group at Children's Hospital there, especially with children or young adults, showing that they seem to do better um, on a low glycemic index diet, especially if they're fat and they've got insulin resistance, which is the thing that we don't really want to have. Um, But if you have insulin resistance, it seems to be useful in terms of enabling weight loss. Now, tell me about, just give me some examples of healthy foods that are actually quite high on the glycemic index, because you mentioned that um, a lot of the, the fruits um, are fine, like the berries and, and such. Those are, those are well, good to Well, I mean, foods that I like particularly are higher, and they're not high, but they're okay. higher yeah. on glycemic index scales, are things like um, mangoes, pineapples, um, bananas when they're really ripe, um, these sort of foods are higher on the glycemic index scale, and we like them. Um, so I'm not saying that you don't have them, mm-hmm. but um, when when you when you get a chance to have berries or, ni- or or good apples that you like, choose them possibly if that's a problem for you. Right. And remember, it's not a problem for everyone, but it is for some. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I know that you've also found some benefits to consuming canola oil. Is that? We have indeed. Yeah. And um, I think that canola is Canada's oil, fortunately, and it's got a good profile of fatty acids. It's got monounsaturated fat, like in olive oil, um, and it's got an N3, an omega-3, a shorter chain fatty acid, which is is also useful. And... um, I want to make a plug both for canola oil generally and also for the emerging brand of canola oils that are being put on the market to compete with uh, with olive oil. I'm not saying olive oil is not an excellent oil, but I'm just hmm. saying that you can now get um, cold-pressed uh, canola oil in green glass bottles, which tastes very good and can be used in just the same way as olive oil on uh, bruschetta and all the things that people like that are Italian. So maybe uh, a great all-purpose 
oil. A great all-purpose oil, I yeah. think, yes. Um, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Jenkins. And again, congratulations well, on thank you very uh, much. I'd like to obviously thank uh, 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 Mr. Bloomberg and his wife for, uh, and, and Manu Life for putting the thing together and for the McGill folk and, and all those who, who were my judges. Yeah, absolutely. And well, congratulations on all your great work. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Same to you. That's a Dr. David Jenkins. Who knew that the person who invented the glycemic index is a Toronto-based doctor? Uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, Ed Keenan's going to join me. He, of course, is up at uh, 10 o'clock. And I want to ask him what he thinks about this company that charges $32,000 to come up with a really, really great name for your child. And uh, I've got a couple other things to chat with Ed as well. I'm Pei Chen. You're listening to the Pei Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You can always Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Pei Chen. Very easy to remember. Also on uh, Facebook, you can find me there as well. Taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Lots more. Want to know how much more? Ed Keenan is here. Hey, Ed. Hello. Well, you are up at 10 o'clock. That's right. And you, I was just asking you about the Super Bowl. I said, is it over yet? But it's not. It is not over. Uh, it is, I think, think, the fourth quarter. And before I walked in here, I saw that it was 24 to 21 for the Seattle Seahawks. Were they the underdogs? Uh, it's a it's a pick'em. Like it's a <laughs> that's that's actually the line in Las Vegas is yeah. pick'em, which means there's no favorite. Oh, uh, but they they had been slight favorites uh, up until you know sort of the last couple of days. They the Seattle Seahawks were the champions last year. Oh, but they okay. have a, a relatively weak offense. So mm. so it it was considered kind of a toss up the game, and it's it's been exciting. It was tied at the half. And now in the fourth quarter, it's a three-point game, unless something's happened since I walked in here. This is like the most football talk I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just had like a mini like lesson. There like, you okay, go. There you all go. Right. So, all right, all right, all right. More than you wanted to know. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, okay, I get it. All right, it's close now. People are like on the edge of their seats. They're but the Katy Perry halftime show <laughs> yeah, was, was explosive. Was it? There were fireworks. Yeah. Uh, she had a a real um, flame flame outfit like her outfit had flames on it uh it looked kind of like i don't know if you remember the wrestler bam bam bigelow no okay well it was kind of like that <laughs> nobody remembers him was but, it like uh, an armor like a vest that she was wearing it was kind of flames? like a little vest and a mini skirt and they had yeah. flames and then there were sort of um uh, little peaked flame shoulder pad things coming up off like the top of it. Like real fire was coming But there were also, there were like four costume changes through it. Wow. Missy Elliott came on for a couple songs. Was that a surprise songs. guest? Uh, she was so. a surprise guest. Lenny Kravitz, who was an announced guest, played like half a song. Uh, uh, good, it was I Kissed congrats. a Girl. He sang along with her. <laughs> that was uh, it. But, you know, it was fun, I guess. Yeah. And there were fireworks at the end while she was singing firework and, and being levitated above the crowd on some kind of apparatus no wardrobe malfunctions not that i saw okay yeah and i would have saw you you yeah, would have noticed yeah, it would have no. been like slow-mo playback <laughs> what is yeah. this um I, you may you probably saw the story earlier this uh week ed and i just thought i'd talk to you about it because mm. you have three kids I do. and it's this company um it's a swiss company that will charge 
people $32,000 to help them come up with a unique and creative name for their baby. Because I know it can be highly competitive and it can be very <laughs> stressful. Uh, the reason I say competitive is yeah. because uh, I don't know if you and your wife went through this, but I know that my girlfriends who went pregnant and had friends or family who were also pregnant yeah, and learned they, not to share their top choices for you names. You tell the name and then you find out that they that stole you're, it. You're kid's cousin is going to yes. have that name already that actually in uh i have my youngest brother andrew uh was born in march and he was named andrew and then two months later uh my aunt alana had a son and named him andrew and so they were both named andrew which was uh, kind of weird i guess but, and, they were like, but i didn't even think twice about it at the time <laughs> but then when we when rebecca was pregnant the first time but also other times there was this kind of like Real competitiveness because mm-hmm. it's like you can't steal my name. No, because well, I know with a one of my girlfriends in particular, she learned when she had her second child that she would not share the name because her sister and her brother and sister in law were expecting she was supposed to deliver first, but she mm. didn't. So then, of course, the other couple had the baby first, took the name. No way. Yes. What was the name? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, it was that good. It was that good. I but, don't, you, but know why? you know what? This is the th- the thing, though, is that no matter how unique, and maybe this is why you need a naming company to invent yeah. an entirely new name or something like that. Ugh. But like I know uh, when Rebecca was pregnant with Colm, so he's eight years old. So this mm-hmm. is like eight and a half, nine years ago. Uh, we're looking at names, and we're thinking about names that are really rare at the time, mm-hmm. right? We're just running down the list, and yeah. it's like. Ah, Henry, that's an interesting name. Now, we didn't go with Henry, but I will tell you that my son has four friends named Henry. (gasps) Really? Two of his classmates, and there's another two kids at the park, all named Henry. They all live within two blocks of each other. Uh, Jack was something else we were thinking about. Jack is now among the most popular names. It It had basically fallen out, like... We didn't, I didn't grow up knowing anybody my age named Jack. I yeah. knew older people named Jack, but it like, it came back into style. And you always think Liam is another one. Uh, yes. my, I have a uh, nephew named Liam. Uh, when he was named Liam, it seemed like kind of a fresh new-ish name. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like we had never heard it before, but yeah. it was like not different. that common. Yeah. And now it's among the top 10 most common, top five most common boys yes. names in all of Canada. It's like, whatever you think that sounds fresh to you, Almost everybody else who's having a kid this year almost certainly <laughs> is thinking, hey, that's due for a comeback. That's a good, that's- well, that's why I think like even though like newer names become very popular or they're celebrity influence sometimes or yeah. named after um, like movie characters like Katniss, apparently with the Hunger Games that people are naming mm-hmm. their children mm-hmm. that. Um but and then so then people go the opposite. They go, well, let's go for a classic name like Jack, like Henry, yeah. like Emily. Uh, so there's I don't think there's a, there's a way to win necessarily unless you make up a name. That's true. My, now, my son, Colum, C-O-L-U-M, yeah. uh, which is, is pronounced a the same as a lot of people spell C-O-L-M. But yeah. uh, Colum McCann, the writer, spells it the same way as my son. In Ireland, it's slightly more common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we've never met somebody else who has a name. Like Colum, except actually on every single hockey team he's ever been in, almost all of his classes, there's a lot of Callums. Yes, uh, Callum. Which yeah. who were all born around the same time, and that's a very similar feeling name. So, you know, Colum actually having a unique name, and you probably know this being named Pay. Oh dear in, Lord, in I know the Toronto pain. <laughs> is that uh, when you have a relatively unique name, you tell it to people, and and so Colum, I'm with him all the time, and people say, yeah. "What's your name?" and he says. 
Colin. And then they say, hi, Colin. Nice to meet you. And then he says, Colin, Colin. And they say, Colin. And he says, Colin. And they say, oh, Callum. Oh, great. And Colin, Colin. Oh, Colm. Call him. Never get it like right. the pillars in a church. Call him. Yeah. Like my dad's job. He's a columnist. He's right? A, that's <laughs> that's he's my dad is such a narcissist that yeah, when I was born, he's I like got named after his job. This is this is my column that now will never my, go away. My second uh daughter blog. <laughs> <laughs> that one will never make you money. <laughs> You'll be paying for that no, one for the rest exactly, of your life. Exactly. So <laughs> But that won't be more current than Colum, I'm but sure. But I mean, really, people will pay these big bucks, right? It's ridiculous. Well, you know, it's funny. I just saw the story because I thought it was rid- $32,000 to come up with a unique name. And the way they, this Swedish company justifies it is they say they have a process that takes 100 hours. Come on. Then you are just, you're idiots if it takes you 100 right. hours. But it, now, if you don't like the name they come up with, do you still have to pay them? Or is it one of these, we give you a name you like or your money back? Well, it says, after brainstorming hundreds of names, the team presents 15 to 25 names to the parents. If the parents don't like the names, they'll start another creative round and come up with 10 to 15 additional names. Doesn't say if there's an extra fee. I feel like maybe that's built in. Like, you'll get 15 to 25 names if you don't like those we'll have the b list of 10 to 15 but after that they yeah. presented you with, them with so many creative names sure i can't see it one. like i know if you got money to burn or whatever but the the low tech low budget uh version of this in the pre-internet area you would buy a book that would be like 500 pages of fine I've print essentially books. like a name dictionary it would have 50,000 names Because it would it, have right? the meanings because people and, like to pick names yeah. based on meanings. Like, and we rose. had one of those and yeah. then it, we also, it was the internet era. So in addition to reading every single name in one of these books, we would go on the internet and, and search for uh, baby names. And we and they, you can like customize it. Gaelic sounding baby names, yeah. European ones, Asian ones, rare ones, ones inspired by movies, ones inspired by literature. Thousands and thousands. And from those lists, uh, my wife and I like came up with like three, right? <laughs> so I just, I mean, I know these people will work hard and all of that. But first of all, you can get lots and lots of names for free on there the internet. So, you know, what? my and favorite, yes. Secondly, <laughs> I don't trust that they would produce a name I like. Well, for that kind of money, I feel like you'd have to be really blown away. There would have to be... A, a name that you just never heard of before because they're not going to present you with like, Can you and... imagine if they came up, da, 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 the envelope, please, John. <laughs> You're like, we never thought of that. Jennifer. Oh, my goodness. That is so different. Ross. I hope he has friends. <laughs> um, my, my favorite story about, I won't even go into my personal uh, issues growing up with a name like Pei, but uh, I have a, a friend who, um, when she was doing her medical residency, she obviously, you know, different patients coming in all the time. And there was one girl, she had her patient chart and the name on there, and I, God, I hope there's more than one person with this name, which I'll know exactly who I'm talking about. But the name was um, L.A., and then uh, a hyphen, mm-hmm. um, E-L-A. So L-A hyphen E-L-A. Lail. No, she mm. said, it's Ladashala. You pronounce the dash. Ladashala. You pronounce the dash. You Why pronounce the Why would you hyphen. do that to your kid? Ladashala. Why would you do that to your kid? So you could even just name like your kid I Dash. Just, and then backslash. Put, yeah. <laughs> 
My name is Slash. How do you spell it? Hey, hashtag. With a slash. Someone has tried to name yeah. their child hashtag, I'm sure. Um, let's talk about what's <laughs> coming up on your show. Uh, well, I got a few different things. Speaking of kids, uh, earlier this week, there was a column in the Toronto Sun by Joe Warmington talking about the price of uh, kids' hockey. Mm. And it's going up. But in Toronto, it's going up again because in the recent Sidgy budget, there's a plan to raise the the rink rental fees by another seven, seven and a half percent. Uh, rink, rink rental fees have gone up by like more than 20 percent in the last five years or so. And that's, you know, the city's strategy. And the question is, like, is hockey becoming like a rich kid only sport? Mm-hmm. And is that something we care enough about to do something about it? Because parts of the reasons why these things are happening are are our decisions that we're making as a government collectively and all of that. Um, and I, I think it's kind of sad if only the wealthy can play uh, a lot of sports, but especially hockey, because it is the kind of sport that you, you can't, it's hard to just play in your driveway, right? You can't just go down to the local playground and yeah. play Yeah, and road hockey is not the same. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe also uh, talk a little bit about a column I wrote this week that got a big response, both uh, of those who agree with me and those who disagree with me. Uh, but it's about teaching uh, young children in elementary school consent, yes. which is something the premier said that she mm-hmm. she was planning to introduce as part of the new curriculum. Yep. And, um, and a lot of people are bothered by that. I don't necessarily understand why. Do you think it's because a lot of people don't understand what is being proposed? uh, Uh, I think that or they don't uh, trust that what's being proposed is what's actually being proposed, if you know what I mean. Right. Because I think a lot of people thought, oh, you can't teach my six-year-old about sex, but it's... Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly it. And that's (laughs) the problem. Uh, And even, even if there's no reason to believe that that's what's being proposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are really irrational when it comes to these topics. And so they they, they don't trust uh, that that somebody won't be, right? Yeah. That they're not trying to slide something in. Um, there's, I don't think there's anything to reason to believe that they are trying to slide anything in that, that should be the least bit controversial. I don't mm-hmm. think teaching consent uh, and the concept of consent to six-year-olds should be controversial. I think it should be done. It should yeah. be a cornerstone of all kinds of learning. And I want to talk about why. Yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll hear from some people who can explain to me why it is controversial in their minds. And it's like, I, absolutely not. I don't want that. And I, I heard, saw so much feedback on uh, social media, like on mm. Twitter especially. And I was frustrated. It's hard for me to say because I don't have children, mm. but I have a lot of children in my life. Yeah. And I just think, you know what? We need to, we, we need to, teach kids and the younger the better just about yeah. things that can you know help them in their lives as they grow up and uh, so I look forward to that and I'm sure you get lots of heated debates we'll see we'll yeah. see it should be a fun show <laughs> alright that's Ed Keaton he stick around he's coming up at 10pm thanks again for tuning in tonight everyone uh, paychen.com is the website uh, have the podcasts up there very soon have a great night stay warm I'll be back next week it makes no difference if you're back on.